scripture today is going to be Mark 5, 21 through 42. It is about Jairus comes up, the synagogue leader, and he falls on his knees before Jesus and says, my daughter's done. But then also, it's the woman with the blood disorder through that period before Jesus goes to Jairus. So let's start with some epic dads that face tough circumstances. I entitled the thing today, Epic Dads in Times of Failure, but it can also be Epic Dads in Times of Turmoil. I think we all realize that where our world is, where things are happening, and, and even as my sister stood right there and prayed and said, it is wonderful and it is necessary to provide for your family and to be there for your family, but the number one thing that you need to do is you need to pray for your family. There are things happening in this world right now that we cannot do physically anything about. But boy, I'll tell you what, dads, all of you guys who got up here with those getting those flashlights, if we could all get on our knees in the course of the coming months and begin to start praying for our family, praying for their protection, praying for our kids, and what they hear, the doctrines that are being pushed on them and say, you're obsolete, this is what we have for you. It'd be incredible. And so I hope that today you uh, you enjoy this that comes out of here. So let's first talk. What I thought is all of us as dads, we all have different challenges. We grow up in different communities, and I, I realize that in this room, some of you had dads that probably said you'll never amount to anything. Some of you might have had a dad that took you fishing and the baseball games all the time, and everybody has a different story. So even in the Bible, some of these guys, as dads, face certain challenges. And I thought it would be funny, funny, humorous, maybe a little bit awe-inspiring. But think about these dads. Think about Adam, literally the first man on earth. So he has no example to follow when he had his kids. So there's no, I mean, there's no books, there's no one to ask. So literally, he had to go to the Lord saying, what do I do for this? What do I do for this? Why are they crying? I don't understand. What is this? So that would be Adam. Next, we would have Noah. Noah protected his family even when it didn't make sense. Everybody around. So kids, I know that you guys, you know, we're here today at church, and sometimes your parents will say, no, we're not going to do that. That's not what we do. Could you imagine having Noah as your dad? Going to school, literally. Your dad's building what blocks. So Noah had to do something that had never been done before, and it seemed crazy. But he obeyed and he saved his sons and daughters in the family. That's huge. Next up on Epic Dad list, we have Job. Now, here's a fascinating thing about Job Job was a lot like other faithful dads. He loved his kids and he prayed for them. His greatest example for all of us came once he lost it, including his children. Hard to wrap our minds around. Life can be filled with loss, disappointment, or even tragedy. There are guys sitting here today, and there are ladies sitting here today, that you are dealing with loss, tragedy, fear. And I'm just telling you, as we work through some things here today, just open your heart. Let's just let the Lord have his way. We were singing that song, and we were talking about Paul on the tongue, and I was telling you, I was right there, and all I was asking is, Take your comb, put it on my tongue. I don't want it to be me. You speak. So in in me, 
submitting to that, that means the Lord is looking at you saying, I have a word for you. And, and I hope that you are able to receive that. So during these times, our kids see our true faith more deeply and more powerfully. And so that's when Job lost everything. Of course, he lost his kids, so I'm not sure they saw that. But that's a whole other, probably, you know, side note. Those seasons aren't fun, but they are huge, keepable moments. I'm going to give you a quick sidebar. My wife and I, over the last 10 years, we lost everything. It was an excruciating journey. Uh, our ministry is called Embracing the Lord. Because the funny thing about it is, in the midst of losing everything, we actually found everything. But the issue is, and I want to, I want to encourage you, okay? When you are in the midst of loss, and I'm talking about loss of spouse, bad diagnosis, medical, community, outcast, something happens, best friend turns their backs on you, throws you under the bus, loss of a child, and again, I understand what I'm asking is I'm saying there's an intimacy in those moments that nobody else gets to experience with the world. And, and we have a choice at that moment. We can run away and say, I'm angry. Or we can say, way too much for me. Where are you in this? And how? How, how do I grow from this? Because I don't see it, I don't feel it, I don't like it. But I know you promised this is going to do something for me. And that's what my wife and I can testify about. Yeah. I wouldn't change our last 10 years for anything, but I wouldn't wish going through the last 10 years on anybody that I love. But I wish everybody could go through it. Kind of an odd statement. But it was so difficult, but yet at the same level. So now what we do, we live in an RV in Jabez, Kentucky. We have for the last couple of months. From there, we don't know where we're going, but we help people tell their stories. We help people tell their testimonies. This last week, we met with First Choice Clinic, which is a, a pro-life clinic in Somerset. We had really poor marketing materials, so uh, we went ahead and we made a video, an outreach, and that's just what we do. And they're like, We've been praying that God would bring somebody to help us do some marketing. And then we had the opportunity to have another brother who had his Heaven's Door Chapel there. He had no marketing. And yet, we're also recording testimonies. And some people might say, that's kind of weird. Why are you doing that? Testimonies are story. They're, they testify about what God has done in our lives. And the dying world will listen to your testimony. They might not like your Bible. They might not like your faith. But they will listen to your testimony because they can't argue. And I do want to say to you all, as I move on with this, I saw a research study last week. 25% of people that identified as Christian five years ago are leading the church. They don't like the tough cult. They don't like the stuff that's in the Bible. They think it's not inclusive. They think it's mean. It's hateful. We are moving in times where it's almost, and I'm not trying to be hard, but what's the idea? Because it's not going to end pretty 10, 15 years from now. As we continue, we have to stand up and say, man, I love you to death. I will go to bat for you. I will do everything I can to help you. But I can't endorse what you're doing. And I'm sorry, I'm not being hateful. It's what my faith is. It's, it's the creator of this world. Amen. So think about that as we go yeah. through this today. So Abraham. Abraham obeyed God even when the instructions seemed off. He waited several decades before the Lord fulfilled his promise. God is at work even while we wait. Amen. 
How many in this room have prayed for something and God took his time answering it? So, Jehonadab. Does anybody, does anybody know the story of Jehonadab? Every dad leaves a legacy, and a great example is Jehonadab. He helped King Jehu fulfill God's plan of wiping out all the Baal worship in Israel. Decades later, long after Jehonadab was gone, Jeremiah met with his ancestors, the Rechabites, and they were still honoring him through their lives and their commitment to the Lord. That's what every dad, a father, that's what every dad would like to know. Long after you're gone, your children and your children's children are standing and saying, this is who we are. Last one before we go to Jairus. Uh, Joseph, Jesus' earthly dad. Joseph loved Mary, was confused and hurt, and wanted to do the right thing. He wasn't sure what the right thing was to do until God stepped in and he gave him that dream. His reputation may have taken a hit, but obeying God and helping raise the Son of God was a priceless, nobody could ever, ever have asked to do something in the Alright, so that brings us to Jairus. Jairus did everything the right way. His daughter was on the brink of death. He turned to Jesus for help. His world still fell apart, and he faced a challenge of faith in that moment. He remained faithful and made all the difference in the world. Reading the ESV version, it says, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, which you can imagine, look at all these people, everybody's touching me. He said, he looked and he said, You see the crowd is pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, so here we go on another thing. The Lord is doing his meticulous timing of everything. While he was still speaking, there came the ruler of the house, the ruler's house, someone from the ruler's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. So, and he allowed no one to follow him, except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside. He laughed. Get on outside. 
He put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in there where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumah, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know and told them to give her something to eat. Jesus calls Jairus. Jesus called Jairus to an extreme faith with an extreme promise. So look at this part here. We must put ourselves in, in the presence of Jesus. So the line where it says, one of the rulers of the synagogue came. So these four points are what Jairus did, okay? We need to put ourselves in the presence of Jesus when we have a need. And we need to bring it to him. Number two, we must humble ourselves sincerely before Jesus. He fell at his feet. Okay? Number three, we must present our need in a holy reverence and thank him earnestly. The reason why I say this is this is a synagogue leader. If you think about this, he didn't come and say, Jesus, man, speak to you. You know, I run the facility down the road. I need your help. He came and fell on his knees in front of a crowd. This was, he didn't care what anybody thought, this man's daughter was dying. Number four, we must have total confidence in the power and the goodness of Jesus. So he said, come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So now Jesus calls Jairus to an extreme faith with an extreme promise. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter is dead. So what did Jesus do? He communicated three things. Ignore what they say. Do not fear. Only believe. So that's Jairus. So now, ladies and men, and I want to say this. I know that I'm talking on Father's Day. But everything from Jairus applies to ladies. Everything from the woman with the affliction applies to men. She came and fell down before him, and she told him the whole truth. So, when we are coming before God with our situations, we need to be honest with him. Number one, we must tell him the whole truth about our sin. Yes, everybody here will be thinking, well, but the Lord knows everything. He does. We need to say it, because we need to say, Lord, I know that I did this. I'm not rushing over this. I did this. Number two, we must tell him the whole truth about our suffering. We need to tell him what we're going through. Yes, I know he knows, but there is something in a relationship. Husband and wife, this lady over here is the biggest blessing to my life. And sometimes the husband, I know that I'm not supposed to fix it. I'm just supposed to listen. I think that the Lord actually put that between men and women because he wants us to tell him what's going on. He wants to hear. He wants to hear how we're feeling. It's important for us to get it out. Number three, we must tell him the whole truth about, like for her, the other doctors and the cures that we've tried. That's what, so I'm just saying, if you're going to the Lord for healing, you need to say, Father, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. If I am looking over here and trusting them and I'm not trusting you, forgive me of that. I need you. This isn't working. Because this woman spent all of her money, and she was never, never healed. And number four, we must tell him the whole truth about our faults. We need to tell him what we want. God, I'm asking you to do this. I want to run with my grandchildren. 
I want to be able to live and see what you have here. Please, I'm asking that. So here's what really is fascinating when I talk about the Lord is purposeful and meticulous. Dying 12-year-old girl and a woman with 12 years of illness. Jairus is a leader in the synagogue. The woman has not been allowed to enter the synagogue for the last 12 years. She can't worship. She's unclean. Jairus had 12 years of sunshine and were about to be extinguished with his daughter dying. The woman had 12 years of agony that seemed hopeless to heal. On his way to heal Jairus, dying daughter, Jesus stops in children's room to take care of one of his daughters. So before I go heal your daughter, I need to take care of my daughter. Ladies, if you don't have a dad, or if you have a dad, he has a bit of a I am telling you, you have a heavenly father, and that's not just a statement. He's the one that has your back. He's the one that knows you better than anybody. And I just, I, I bless you and all of us. We have father wounds, mother wounds. We have wounds from growing up with siblings that were mean to us. We have a good, good God. And he is a good, good father. And it's, we can rejoice in that. So Jairus was an important man, the ruler of the synagogue. The woman was a nobody, and we don't even know her name. Jairus was probably wealthy because of his leadership position. The woman was poor because she had spent all of her money on doctors. Jairus came publicly. The woman came secretly. Jesus responded to the woman immediately. Jesus responded to Jairus after delay. And Jairus' daughter was healed secretly. The woman was healed publicly. Isn't God awesome? This is all in just one story. And these are things, that's what I love. When we can be 90 years old, and there's 90 year olds in the audience, awesome, praise the Lord. But we'll still have 10,000 things to learn about the Lord. We read scripture. There's so much here. Okay, challenges and failures will come to all epic dads. I don't know who it was, but uh, you're either walking into a situation, coming out of a situation, or getting ready for a situation. So it's life. It's how it is. I wish I could say that accept Jesus and all your problems go away. He didn't say, I will deliver you from this. He said, I will deliver you through this. I'm telling you, he's more interested in our character building than he is in our comfort. And that's why when people debate the pre-trip, post-trip, I'm just for whatever you want, Jesus. But he rarely wastes a good opportunity to build character. And that makes me nervous. He might leave us here for a while so we can build some character. Okay, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, and act like men, and be strong. You know what? I don't care what 2023 says. It's okay to say, act like men. It's okay. All right, the three things that can change your life, your family's life, and your impact on others. Number one, the words you speak. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. I want to be very clear. I'm not talking about name and claim. I'm not talking about a brand new Lamborghini and your thing. I'm not talking about any of that. But I'm telling you that the power of life and death is in your tongue. How you speak to your children, husbands, wives, how you speak to each other. Power of life and death is in the tongue. And we all know it. We can speak a certain way and the whole afternoon goes towards death. We can speak this way and the whole afternoon goes towards life. It's the way God designed how our tongues work. This small little rudder can start large wall problems when we don't do it correctly. 
It says in Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will indulge it, and indulge it will eat its fruit, that's good or bad, and bear the consequences of their words. So this little paragraph here says, it means that the words we speak have an incredible power to shape our lives and the lives of others. Our words can be used as a tool to bring life by bringing encouragement, comfort, and hope, or to bring death by spreading hurtful lies, gossip, and negativity. Every word we say carries with it a profound responsibility and a potential to make a difference. Segue here real quick. The, the culture who is the least incarcerated in the world is the Jewish culture. Why do you think? At 12 years old, it is their custom and it is what they do. The father speaks a blessing over their son. He speaks who you are, who you come from, who your God is. And so at 12, they're told who they are. We have so many men walking in our society that have never had a positive word spoken over them. And dads, if, if you haven't had a chance to do that to your kids, if there's one thing, as my wife and I drive two hours back this afternoon, if I can just see you in heaven and you go, man, you said that, that week, I sat my son and my daughter down, and I spoke over them, and I said, I am proud of you, and I love you, and I believe in you, and you are going to change this world, that it would all be just that alone. But we got a lot more anyways. Next, a father of faith seeks continual encounters with Jesus. Philippians 4, 5, and 7 says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want to mention that we come to church, like we all do, and you guys have an amazing church. You have an amazing facility. The Lord is here. He was here in this worship. He's here in the people that I've met. He can tell he is blessing you with plans for the future to impact this community. It is awesome because there's a lot of churches that don't have this. So you get to come here. But one thing I do want to tell you, prayer, the enemy always has a thousand reasons not to. Dads, you've got an issue with your family. If you've got anything going on, you've got an issue with your kids at school, how school is affecting your kids. If you've got an issue with work, if you've got an issue with your wife, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, Literally thank him for your problems. My wife and I, we have a little 2009 Toyota Corolla. It was amazing. And it's good on gas mileage compared to the diesel truck that we pull our RV with. And we were driving. We were talking about how the paint is just getting a little bit. We need to do something about it. And our son does detailing. We, you know, we started thanking the Lord for it. So, you know, Lord, you're amazing. This has been a really great car. And we laid our hands on the dash and said, thank you so much for this car. <coughs> A deer hit us. <laughs> Literally while we were praying. He ran into the front and I, I, I was telling I thank you. I was telling someone, I said, I said, I can't believe I hit a deer. And my wife was like, honey, you haven't hit a deer yet. A deer hit you today. And he just lowered his shoulder and just he did thirty two hundred dollars worth of damage. What was interesting is, is you're like, okay, Lord, well, there was that. So anyway, so when we pulled over, my wife got in, because I couldn't even open my door. So she got in and took pictures and came back in and said, this is the damage. 
says, give me your hand. I said, Father, I totally don't understand that one. We were just talking to you. But we are going to welcome you into this situation. I don't know what you're going to do with this, but it's going to be amazing. And what's funny is we were talking about our concerns with the paint. And I think the paint's going to get new paint. I don't know. But I didn't expect him to go that far. I was just talking rubbing compound, but however he wants to play it. So I appreciate it. He is good. So fathers, a father of faith isn't just a faithful father. He goes beyond that. A father of faith is one who is certain to bring Jesus into his marriage, parenting, work, and hobbies. Everything. He's not a God that you just need to come to for the $1,000 problems. You come to him for the $20 problems. We go to everyone else to solve our $20 problems, and he's like, okay. But then we, when, when they can't fix the problem, it's like, God, this is bad. you got to fix this. We just, we just need to take everything to him. He is a good, good father, which I believe we're going to sing. The father of faith also brings his marriage, parenting, work, and hobbies to Jesus. You bring Jesus into it, and you take them to him. So, like other dads, fathers of faith struggle, but their success comes in bringing those struggles to Jesus. All right, my last slide. I'm 29 minutes, 22 seconds. This is awesome. Thank you, Lord. I, I know I talked about the, the father blessing, but at the same level, if there's one moment, one three or four minute moment that you hear today, especially you guys, this is the one for you, okay? To stand for the gospel is to stand for truth. So Isaiah 5, 20, 21 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness in, before light and light before darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. There are five or six scriptures I could have put here. But here is the call. The truth of the Spirit of God is folly to the natural man, which is 1 Corinthians 2, 14. And the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. 1 Corinthians 3.19. In other words, you're going to have to pick sides. So brothers, I'm asking today, in Versailles, Kentucky, what will you choose? Will you follow the winds of culture and its ever-changing definitions of morality and truth and goodness? Or will you follow Christ and his word? When all of us around you contradict what the Bible teaches, will you take up your cross and stand for God's truth? So, putting a bow on this, and thank you so much. Uh, you, you've just all been wonderful, and again, I think the Lord has spoiled all of us because we just couldn't have gotten a better day on this one. And I heard about all this wind, too, and it was just, it's just been great. But today is Father's Day. We serve a good, good Father, but man, what a what an opportunity it is to be men in this society, to lead, to walk, to know that we can bring change and effect into our families and our neighborhoods.